As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. We wanted to, but a hell of a win. And yeah. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We'll, uh, we'll dive in here. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Again, this is a simulcast episode of the Gut Reaction live on YouTube. Welcome all of our current viewers and uh, those who are going to be listening to this after the fact on Apple Podcasts or Spreaker or Stitcher, CastBox, wherever. But I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Zach Kelberman, my co-host here, my partner in crime, with me as always, coming to you from the Vivid Seat Studio. Zach, we finally get to break down a Broncos victory. It was a gritty win. There's a lot to get into, but what's the first thing that that uh, you know is your first takeaway to share here tonight? This is the Broncos team that I thought we'd be getting coming into the season, Chad. I mean, they were playing with more intensity, more want to, more passion, and it came out in the wash, as you like to say. It came out in the final result. There's no correlation or no coincidence as to why they won this game. They played better offensively, more aggression. They ran the ball hard. They threw down the field. The defense was forcing takeaways. They found a new starting inside linebacker, as far as I'm concerned, and A.J. Johnson, Alexander Johnson. Um, I really think, uh, you know, all overall, this was more of the Broncos outfit that we, we expected to put up, you know, eight, nine, ten wins this year. Guys, we are going to graft in all of your comments, all your questions. We're going to help you exercise the demons and flush all of those bad emotions from the 0-4 start here in just a second. But first, just a couple of really quick matters of business, then we'll dive in. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That is just simply the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And don't forget to go get your creative review. And if you like what you're hearing, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as we are giving away each and every month some Mile High Huddle Huddle Up Podcast swag to a randomly selected reviewer. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Let's uh, dial this thing back to the very beginning. The Broncos offense, now this was, especially in the first half, this was a defense and an offense and a special teams. This was a team playing with complete complementary football, and it really showed in the box score. The Broncos got out to a quick lead. But, man, the first thing that jumps out to me I want to talk about here is Phillip Lindsay just playing with his heart on his sleeve. He goes over 100 yards rushing. Gets a touchdown, another one. So it's two weeks in a row that he's he's been able to hit pay dirt. And then late in the game, Joe Flacco just unable to show that killer instinct, unable to get anything going. A couple of turnovers up to that point. Lindsey says on that final drive, you know what? I got to do this thing myself. Puts the team on his back. Has two massive runs that set up that final Brandon McManus field goal, the 46-yarder that basically closed this thing out for the team. Philip Lindsey, man, he is just – each and every game continues to showcase his value to the to the team. Yeah, when they commit to running the ball, good things happen with Phillip. But you, you saw more of that 2018, Lindsay, with those big chunk plays that we haven't seen this year. And the offensive line was getting good push on the ball. Overall, the offense just played astronomically better than they did the first four weeks of the season. And you saw it come out. Uh, I think they're clicking right now. And their identity, like we talked about in the last pod, they don't have an identity. Well, they're starting to form one. It's just not a defensive identity. It's it's surprisingly an offensive identity. And when you have Joe Flacco coming with that, the, the ground game with uh, Janovich's return, I mean, he was massive today. When you get all those things going and they can avoid the, the comical mistakes as we saw the first four weeks, you can have a, a pretty competent offense as we saw today. I mean, if you look at the numbers offensively for the Denver Broncos outside of just, again, a di- they completely disappeared in the third quarter offensively and for most of the fourth quarter, but they rushed for 191 yards on the road against, albeit a banged-up defense, but still, there are some stars on that side of the ball for the Chargers. 191 yards on the ground plus a rushing touchdown. That big chunk play, 70-yard touchdown to Cortland Sutton, which, by the way, was the longest touchdown scoring play for this Denver Broncos team since Benny Fowler busted off a long one back in, I think it was November of 2016. So it's been almost three years, three hard, tough years, Zach, since the Broncos had that caliber of an explosive scoring play. What were your thoughts on Cortland Sutton's big day as well? Uh, It's just so nice to see him finally break out. And that's why I love the Broncos taking shots down the field and kind of unshading this offense. You have it with the big arm quarterback and Joe Flacco, and you have a candidate in in 
Cortland Sutton, who was all billed as a potential Pro Bowl or a breakout guy. And he's not just a possession guy. He's not just a red zone guy. He can take the ball of the house from any point in the field by beating his man, spinning off a tackle, using that power and that breakaway speed. I love Cortland Sutton's game, and he's quickly to me, week by week, ascending to that number one status and really taking hold of that position. For what it's worth, Sutton finished with four receptions on seven targets, 92 yards, and that touchdown. He's definitely appearing to turn the corner as a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL. Emmanuel Sanders, an afterthought, at least in the eyes of Joe Flacco today, one reception on one target for nine yards. And then he had that ticky-tack holding penalty late in the game that was frankly just another head scratcher. That's, that's one of the things that I'm glad to see the Broncos kind of get this this monkey off their back and break the ice and get this that win because they've just been kind of slaves to Murphy's Law, especially late in games. I don't know what it is, but the officials, they find some way to try and hold – just when the Broncos are on the brink of closing a game out, getting a victory, whether it's an official throwing a flag, whether it's a facepalm moment from a player, some kind of a lapse, that Murphy's Law, which is, of course, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong – and the Broncos, fortunately today, every time that was bump in the road, uh, bumps in the road came, Zach, they found a way to show some, uh, some resolve and overcome that adversity to hang tough all the way to the end and get the win. Yeah, this is one of those times where that medal from Vic Fangio really literally came out in the game and we saw what the Broncos are finally made of and not just they didn't just wither when they had one mistake. That's been the, the problem with them the first four weeks. When they hit a wall, when they got the, the strip sack, that bowls allowed, they didn't go into a shell. They didn't just co- collapse and cave and gave up the game. They played stronger, they hung in there, and you're finally seeing that fortitude and you're finally seeing Vic Fangio's culture, which he talked about all offseason and we haven't seen it to this point, really come out on the road against a really good opponent, future potential Hall of Fame quarterback, and they took him to the woodshed, I feel like, for three quarters or so. So I, I really hell, don't have a lot of negatives from this game. They played a real, real well-rounded brand of football today. There are a couple negatives I want to touch on. We'll get to them later in the show. But what does that say? Raising the dead 2-2-2 says, A.J. Johnson needs to start from now on, echoing something you said at the top of the show, Zach. Mm-hmm. Josie Jewell, his absence last week, really cost the Denver Broncos. We weren't able to see Johnson on the field last week. Broncos gave up 269 rush yards to the Jaguars. Today, though, he plays, he starts next to Todd Davis. I was thinking my boy Joe Jones was going to be seeing significant uptick in playing time now that he was active and ready to roll, but it was Johnson, and I'm happy to see him out there playing because, you know, it, he's so big. You know, what is he, six foot three, 240, 250 pounds, I think. Mm-hmm. He looks lumbering when he's moving in space, but he appears to, at least in this game, be a guy in real live bullet situations where the games are counting, that he just finds a way to make plays, get that stop, make the tackle. We saw him get that interception in the end zone to keep the the Chargers out of any kind of points. Almost had a second interception late if you would have caught that one, but Johnson, man, he was he was one of the revelations of this game. Yeah, it's nice to see the biggest takeaway is nice to see a Broncos inside linebacker finally make a play on the football, not just be a, a decent guy and run support, make an interception, almost get a second one, do something in pass coverage. I think he deserves a chance to start, and there's a reason why the Broncos gave him that three-year contract last year, all those guarantees. They saw something in him, and like you made a good point about his stature. He's almost like a defensive lineman with the agility of an inside linebacker running down the field, and the Broncos really haven't had that ever since Brandon Marshall was semi-capable. For him to come out and come up here, 
year with some good coaching. They need that inside linebacker now because um, I didn't like Dakota Watson in that role. I was iffy with Justin Hollins. I, everyone knows how I feel about Todd Davis. But to get that young prospect in the game and have him make plays, that's definitely encouraging. Hollins, by the way, suffered that knee injury, was carted off. We'll uh, have to update that at a later time. But let's just get this one out of the way. D Brown, let's see you guys blame Flacco for this one. <laughs> Flacco, look, guys, um, we're still five weeks into this thing, and we're yet to see Joe Flacco play a 60-minute game of football in terms of executing at an above-average level. Now, the first half, similarly to last week, he was pretty much money. But if you look at it, okay, the strip sack, you can't put that on him. All right, Garrett Bowles gave up the pressure. The guy made a great play to get his hand in there. But the interception, for a guy that's six foot five, the amount of tips at the line of scrimmage his balls get, <laughs> that sounded funny, didn't it? <laughs> get your minds out of the gutter. Uh, it's, it mystifies me. I don't understand how he gets so many tip passes, but nevertheless, he does interception. And then to talk about Murphy's Law, if the Broncos are in third down and the, the line of scrimmage deck is somewhere around the 30 to the 35, right there where you know, you're know you kind of at the border line of field goal range, he's going to get sacked, dude. That's He's the king of taking sacks in those situations. Again, the pocket statue comes back. So And then late in the game, no killer instinct. Were it not for Philip Lindsay, as we talked about earlier in the show, putting the team on his back, We don't know if the Broncos come out of this with the win. The Chargers found a way to move the football late. That possession where they chose to just take the field goal and get quickly as they could to an onside kick, maybe that's a touchdown drive and they tie the game up. So some good things. I don't want to take it completely away from Joe Flacco. He showed some good things. And there is some veteran savvy that he he does display at times, Zach. But I still come out of this feeling incomplete when it comes to the quarterback situation for the Denver Broncos. 17 nothing going into halftime. You know, this is one of those games. I get that you're on the road. I get that you're playing a tough divisional opponent. But this is a game where you're coming out of halftime with that kind of momentum, especially the way Kareem Jackson stopped that ball on the, on the goal line from Austin Eckler. I want to see the Broncos' starting quarterback build on that momentum and not disappear in the second half two weeks in a row, you guys. Yeah, and the thing about Flacco, his tip passes, he has kind of a low release point, and I'm not saying he was the problem the last three weeks. We've spent three podcasts now where I said he wasn't the main problem, he's not the main culprit, but he wasn't part of the solution. He played pretty well today. I really don't have any major bones against him in this game. Like Shad said, we still haven't seen him take over a game. We still haven't seen a giant performance from him, and until that happens... I'm not willing to say he's a top 10, top 15 quarterback. He can get by with this Broncos team if they run the ball that well. They play a defense that forces turnovers. You can win with Flacco. I'm not against him totally. I'll call a spade a spade. He's seen better. He's seen worse. But to say he's a franchise guy after one win, I refuse to say that. Just think about how much better this team could be if Joe Flacco didn't disappear in the second half in two consecutive games. Just ask yourselves that. Now, here's let's get back to some positive, though. Tony E., the D-line looks better without Gotsis. He's been a weak link for a long time. The offense continues to struggle in the second half. Flacco almost gave the game away. We've touched on Flacco, but Gotsis, a surprise before this game started, inactive. A starter, bench, not just a backup guy who is a you know key rotational guy. Out of the blue, Vic Fangio benches a starter. Now, he must not have liked what he was seeing on film from Adam Gotsis last week. Because you would think that if you're going to bench a defensive lineman to make room for Purcell, because you needed to get Purcell back into this equation, 
you go with one of the either Demarcus uh, Walker or Draymond Jones, one of the two young guys who aren't starters. But no, Adam Gotsis gets the the bench, and Purcell goes on to have a phenomenal game. I mean, let's look at the stats just really quickly here from a from a team perspective. The Chargers at home had 35 rush yards. I mean, that is phenomenal for the Denver Broncos, a statement after they were embarrassed last week at home by Leonard Fournette. Your thoughts on Mike Purcell, who seems to now have carved himself out. I mean, the way this team produced on first and second down with him in the starting lineup, I mean, I think that's kind of a sign of things to come. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's played well since the preseason, and he deserved to be active the first four weeks. I'm surprised that he wasn't, but uh, it came at the cost of Gotsis. That's a former second round pick who's a healthy scratch, and that's never a good, um, you know, indication of John Elway's draft pedigree. So it's a, it's a win the loss there. They found a good guy, a Purcell, a run stuffer, and then they can they can deploy. And he held him in check today. He was phenomenal, and I think he plays better as a whole than Gotsis. They're both run stuffers. But you start to have that young defensive line, like you mentioned, Chad, Demarcus Walker, Draymond Jones, Mike Purcell now. You can have building blocks. You can get rid of Derek Wolf. You can move on. You can move Shelby Harris around or risk letting him go if he signs elsewhere. These are the good things about stocking the cupboard. You can have the next men up. And Purcell, to me, in one game, made a much bigger impact than Gotts has made in quite a while. This isn't exactly a black and white answer, Robert. He says, do you guys think we won because of Flacco or in spite of him? Because in the first half, he very much was one of the reasons the Broncos got out to a 17-0 start. But at the end, he the Broncos found a way to win in spite of Flacco's inability to make an impact. I think that's probably just the, the best way to say it. Zach, here's one from Jay Roper. He says, Hey, guys, now I'm scared that Elway will think this team is in compete mode like the win against the Chargers last year. Well, in defense, Jay, of of the Broncos last year, that win against the Chargers sparked a three-game turnaround, which the Broncos suddenly had put themselves into the playoff conversation, and then they went on to lose their final four games, and, of course, that was all she wrote. I think the Broncos are going to be quietly uh, optimistic that this gives them a chance because even though only one team – has made the playoffs after starting 0-4. The Colts last year made the playoffs after starting 1-5, Zach. I mean, if if Elway learned anything from this offseason and this season so far, it's to keep everything in relative perspective. And not one win shouldn't make them a win-now team. Another loss wouldn't mean that he has to blow the entire thing up. It was a good, hard-fought win today, but the Broncos still have issues. They still have things they have to work on. They're still a team that's well away from competing. But now, like we talked about, momentum, coming off a road victory, you can spring into the second half of the season and build on that. you got to keep everything in perspective and realize it's literally, oops, one game at a time, a week-by-week basis in the NFL. Use this now, build a momentum, take the film, and go from there. Don't get too high and don't get too low. From Deb, she says, it's good that Bradley Chubb is not in because it gives the defense a different look. So now only one edge rusher, which is Vaughn, coming most of the time, making the whole defense play better. I think there's a little something to that, that the defense kind of galvanized and came together knowing that they were a man down. But Zach, at the same time, even though the Broncos were unable to not just sack today, you got to tip your cap to Malik Reed, who played really well against the run. That That shocked me, to be honest with you. Got some consistent pressure. The Broncos were able to pressure Rivers all day long. They weren't yeah. quite able to get home. Von Miller had a very good game, even though he wasn't able to get home. But you got to tip your cap to Malik Reed, and I think there's a little something to what Deb's saying there, that the defense kind of came together and elevated as a, as a collective in the wake of the Chubb injury. 
Yeah, Malik Reed's a player, and he, he's fit this scheme from day one. I like to see him get more playing time. And, and if there's one positive from the Chubb injury, it's that. I also want to tip my cap to Kareem Jackson. And as I wrote on Twitter, I, I was skeptical skeptical about the Broncos playing him at safety full-time. But week in and week out, man, he's really impressed the hell out of me. Rangy in run support, good in pass coverage, flies to the ball, good in the box. Um, he's playing phenomenal week in. It's a rare bright spot uh, for this Broncos defense and someone they can build around in that secondary. Just a clear difference maker. When he's on the field, he makes a difference for this Denver Broncos team. You have to wonder if he would have been able to go last week, whether or not the Broncos, you know, they probably cut that rushing production in half as far as the sloppy tackling. Because one thing about Jackson is he's super instinctive. He's all over the place. He makes good reads, but the dude does not miss tackles. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, here's another one from Nevitz here. We overcame second-half adversity, and this is a key point I want to just spend a second on here because I made a video. I'm sure most of our viewers watching this simulcast live saw that video earlier in the week about the spiritual crisis that the Broncos are in, Where, and we've talked a lot about it on the podcast, where one bump in the road, things be going well, one bump in the road, and the team goes into a shell. Where, Well, in this case, there were multiple opportunities where – that fork in the road could have come and the team could have gone off the rails, whether it was the strip sack, the Broncos bounced back from that, the interception, the Broncos bounced back from that with AJ Johnson getting an interception of his own, the touchdown return on the punt, the Broncos, every time they were kicked between the legs, they bounced back, they responded. And that is progress. And it shows that this team emotionally is beginning to, I think, kind of come together and figure themselves out. I just love how happy Broncos fans are about this. I mean, there's four exclamation points about the Broncos overcoming adversity, and it's it's definitely encouraging, but it just goes to show you how uh, a star for a win this fan base was. I will say it's impressive. They didn't just overcome adversity on the road and they didn't just get a win. They beat a very, very well-coached team in the Chargers with a really good quarterback, a, a, a really good defense, even though they have a ton of injuries. So this was a win they should feel proud about. This is not beating the Jets by a couple points. This was a good, uh, almost like a statement win for Denver at this point. Yeah, I mean, not only are they beating a divisional foe they're beating a team whom 
many of the talking heads on the national level had pegged the Chargers as a bona fide Super Bowl contender this year. I mean, they won double-digit games last year. They were in the playoffs, beating them in their own house on the heels of an 0-4 start. That can be a statement game. Key is the Bronx are going to have to build on that next week. Now, Robert here says, is it time to get a new place kicker? Another miss again got outplayed by the Chargers kicker. Robert, the answer to this question is no, but try and kind of have a conversation with your quarterback about taking sacks that lead to your kicker Mm -hmm. having to attempt them from 50 or more yards because that's where, I mean, he's got the big leg, but a big leg does you nothing if you aren't accurate from 50 or more unlike the Matt Praters of Broncos history, unlike the Jason Elams of Broncos history, who were accurate from 50 or more. So I don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, attack Brandon McManus. You want him to make that. But at the same time, I mean, Joe Flacco's got to know at some point, Zach, that's not Justin Tucker over there on the sideline when it's third down, dude. Yeah, no matter how good of a kicker you have, you cannot give up yards on the field. You have to help out all sides of the ball, including special teams. So Flacco did McManus no favors there. And listen, he's no longer, I think, McMoney anymore. I think that reputation precedes him from years past. But he's still an upper echelon place kicker as far as I'm concerned. And he's really not the biggest problem on this team. I wouldn't start tinkering with McManus right now. They'll ride him out as a kicker this season. I think he's, in my opinion, more good than bad consistently. I agree. I don't. In crunch moments and clutch situations, for me, he's kind of a coin flip kicker, and that's a problem. It's not ideal, I should say, but he's not uh, he's not a liability. So it's just the team has to know situationally. Look, you just can't set him up in crucial moments to attempt it from fifty or more. Now, Deb here says Isaac Yadam is a bum. He had no upside or any skills. So y'all need to stop speaking on him like he will ever be good because he won't be. <laughs> I understand Broncos fans at this stage, Zach, beginning to give up on Isaac because there's so much about him to like in terms of his size, his his physicality, his kind of tough mindset and all that. But he was exposed yet again. I mean, that's what veterans do. I mean, Phillip Rivers is one of the greatest at finding the hole in the boat and exploiting that. Usually it's a young or rookie corner and just going after him. And when Isaac Adam was on the field, clearly on tape, the Chargers had picked out that he was the weak link. They went after him. Couple of on the one one drive alone, couple of defensive holding fouls. Really a tough game for him. But I want to flip that coin, Zach, and point to how this game with Bryce Callahan out and Devontae Bosby getting banged up early and leaving with a neck injury. You saw Duke Dawson get a significant uptick in reps and Devontae Harris. Harris and Dawson both ended up getting called for a pass interference penalty at differing points in the game. But overall, I was pleased with their performances today. And I think that the more reps they get, the less you're going to see Isaac Adam on the field because the coaches are trying to make this work for Elway because he's a former third round pick. But Zach, to use your phrase, eventually, you know, you got to you got to call a spade a spade and say this guy's not working out. And, you know, I get the sentiment. I totally understand it from a frustrated fan base, but I, I don't think personally I've ever had one good word to say about Isaac Adam. He's never impressed me. I never liked even the draft pick. I thought he was overdrafted, just like Brendan Langley was. And it's come out that he hasn't been performing well. He has the side and he has the length. He has the physical attributes. It just hasn't translated. And I think Fangio has tried everything and giving him every opportunity to fit the scheme better, but other players are performing better. Bosby was a starter in that role, and now he's injured. So they're going to do whatever they can to play anyone over Isaac Adam at this point. 
I think that's the right move. He's a liability in coverage out there at a time when the rest of the secondary, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Bosby, they're all coming together and playing better. Yadam's playing worse. So they got to get him off the field and they can't allow him to hurt the defense anymore. And you'll have to check back at milehighhuddle.com for an update on Devontae Bosby's status. Before we went live with this, I hadn't heard anything new, but just check back for that. Now here's Flippant Bucci says, the defense did a whole lot in the third quarter. We would have lost without a good defense. And Zach, that's just going back to that whole spiritual crisis aspect of the team overcoming adversity in, in crucial moments. They definitely hung tough. And, you know, were it not for that special teams punt return that kind of swung some momentum the Chargers way, we might be talking about a shutout here. I mean, the Broncos defense, no, they weren't able to get home. No, they weren't able to, to notch sack, but they consistently pressured Rivers. They got multiple takeaways breaking that ice. Yeah. And by the way, Kareem Jackson's forced fumble, that was considered a takeaway at the end of the second quarter there. So you got to like what you saw from this defense today, especially on the road, backs against the wall, tip the cap to them. Yeah, I mean, that's like I said, this is the Broncos defense I, to a level, to an extent, finally playing up to the par that we thought we would get. But I don't want to talk about would-haves and could-haves. We talk about that when they lose. They won. It's not would-have lost. They did win. They had a good defense today, enough to upset Rivers and company. We got to just, you know, call it like it is. The Broncos played a good game. They played better than Los Angeles, and they got the, they got the victory. All right. What else jumps out to you that was positive from today? Daniel Crespo, I want to hear some positives. I want to know where we're headed, where our future seems to shine its brightest. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, the, the bright spots today on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line once again wrecking shop in the run game, just moving dudes off the block, out, allowed a little bit more pressure on Joe Flacco, but I have a hard time deciphering that code, Zach, because Flacco takes pressure in situations where he really shouldn't be taking pressure, holding on to the ball too long, but I digress. Philip Lindsay. Uh, Cortland Sutton on the defensive side of the ball, Malik Reed, uh, Purcell, A.J. Johnson, the cornerbacks, the other two young cornerbacks getting some reps, Kareem Jackson playing lights out, Justin Simmons getting an interception. There's a lot of positives, but, Zach, to get to the crux of what he's saying, what does that say about the direction this team is headed? What's on the horizon for the Broncos? I want to add Reisner in there. He played pretty well today. It says that the Broncos have a lot of young talent on this team. That's what I'm saying. Maybe just be patient and, and they have to go through those hiccups like we saw. But once it all comes together and they have the nucleus now, Sutton, Lindsey, Reisner, that's just on the offense. The defense, they have the coaching, they have the veteran talent, and now they have some of the younger players. They're all starting to mesh together now. It's not going to be a one-week thing, a one-month thing. When in 2020 that rolls around and this defense and this offense comes together and this this roster has a year together, you're going to see a better team. So it's there's glimpses for now, but the bigger picture will come into place, I think, in 2020. Chad Lee says, Garrett Bowles is turning the corner and Leary needs to go. Larry's not going anywhere, but I do want to point out that that was his sixth holding penalty in five games for, for Ron. Larry Bowles, of course, allowed that strip sack, but you know what? He's been playing significantly better since that meltdown against the Chicago Bears in week two. It's still a little too early for me to agree, Chad, that Garrett Bowles has turned a corner, but Larry really needs to step his game up. In I mean, at, at some point, uh, whatever conversation Mike Munchak had with Garrett Bowles to nix all the holdings act, maybe he needs to pull old Ron Leary aside and have a similar chat. 
He's been really disappointing to me, Chad. He was a guy on the precipice of a Pro Bowl, and he, this year he's been a liability. In the last couple of years with injuries, uh, so I think he'll be gone next offseason. They'll try to retool that spot, maybe kick over McGovern to guard. In terms of bowls, I don't really see him turning a corner. I don't think we should celebrate the fact that he's been holdless for a couple of games now. He still, in my opinion, was responsible for that strip sack on Flacco, so we still can't say that he's getting better yet. We just have to hope that it's small incremental improvement. And like you said, Chad, whatever he tried, uh, Munchak with uh, Bowles, maybe he can rub off on Ronald Leary. The play calling, Brent Pepper says, getting better. Wish they would use screens a little bit more. The play calling has been excellent. And even in the second half, you guys, that was all execution, lack thereof, not play calling. Zach, I've been really excited by the development of Rich Scangarello. I mean, things are really starting to come together for him. If he had, again, a better trigger man, things might uh, be different for the Broncos. Right. I think uh, Scangarello, after a f- uh, brutal first few weeks, has really come into his own and started to f- settle down, and the game's starting to slow down for him. I want to point out, though, the Broncos threw a ton of screens the first couple weeks, uh, more than usual and more than necessary. It didn't really work out. So I, I-, I want Scangarello to kind of use the entire kitchen sink, see what works best, and-, and stick with those plays and take out the ones that don't. I've also been impressed, and I think as it goes along, just like with the players, he's going to be consistently better also. Number 27, by the way, with the dreads, that's Devontae Harris, who the Broncos picked up off waivers from Cincinnati on the doorstep of the season. He's a second-year cornerback. For, former, I think he was a fourth-round pick of the Bengals. Um, this one comes from uh, Jacob. The penalties are a huge issue. And how does a six foot six Joe Flacco have more batted passes than Kyler Murray? It's, it's just a, one of those weird things. He's a, he's, he's a quarterback that takes sacks at an oddly high and prolific level, in uh, especially when the team's on the cusp of field goal range on third down, and he's a quarterback that, despite his height, gets a lot of tip passes. And, Zach, I think you touched on it where you talked about how his delivery, it, yeah. it, he throws really low. The ball comes out lower than you would expect for a quarterback of his size. Right. It's not a full over, you know, release point. It's kind of a three quarters release point where he's almost sidearm, but just taking a little off from the side. And that's why I think a lot of the batted passes are, uh, are materializing, but he's got to have a little better pocket awareness as far as I'm concerned, when to take sacks, when to get the ball over the lineman. And that'll come with playing with this Broncos offensive line. It just, it'll come in time. But yeah, it is relatively surprising given his, his stature and given his, his size that, uh, he has so many problems with defle- deflected passes. I ask myself this same question, Sheldon. I want to see how Locke would look in this offense, but it's going to be a while yet before this we inch any closer to to that being a reality because you know the Broncos are now two weeks removed from being able to you know designate him to return, get him back on the practice field, Drew Locke. In week seven, he can begin practicing again, and then he can be activated and be on the roster for week nine. He talked about, Zach, I don't know if you caught this over, uh, I think it was Friday, might have been Saturday. Cliss had a report, interview with Drew Locke. It no longer hurts him to throw, and it no longer hurts him to grip the football. He said that, yeah, I mean, if you slam my hand or hit my hand, it's probably going to hurt my thumb. But overall, I'm out of pain. It is not hurting him to throw or to grip the ball. But, you know, this is, again, one of those situations, Zach, where I'll believe it when I see it when the Broncos activate Drew Locke. That sounds myopic. It sounds, you know, pessimistic. But I think the Broncos want to avoid a quarterback controversy unless they're completely out of it come the decision point. But still, 
I, I think the, the Broncos would be remiss not to get him back out on the field. If even if the Broncos are like they really turn this thing around, come week eight they're at or hovering close to five hundred, and they're at least in the conversation. The odds might be long, but they're in the conversation for the playoffs. If you're John Elway, Zach, you still got to pull the trigger on getting him out on the field because if two or three weeks later you are mathematically eliminated, you still have a quarter of the season. You could get a long look at Drew Locke to see what you have in the future. Right, and I'm still on record as saying it's going to take a lot for Elway to pull that trigger because once he does, you can't go back. Once you bench Flacco for Locke, there's no turning back from that. And like you said, it opens up Pandora's box. It opens up the floodgates to all these headlines and all these controversies. And I think he's lived through that enough the last three years. It's going to take an injury to Flacco or just now consistently bad performance after bad performance aligning with Locke's return. But I will say the more victories they pile up, it's only going to give Flacco more leash. It's only going to give him more time under center. So if he another two or three wins from now, I don't think we're going to see Locke at any point this season. Albert says, is Scangarello playing not to lose, protecting Flacco? I can't understand why more points aren't being scored. If we have a three-point score lead in the mid to late third quarter, then yeah, I can accept shutting it down. Well, listen, it's the trigger, man, dude. Think about, okay, guys, think about this, okay? That interception that was tipped, when did that come? I, uh, was it bottom of the third or top of the fourth? I'm trying to remember. Either way, late in the second half, and the Broncos were backed up in their own territory. Scangarello called two pass plays in a row, the second of which was that tipped interception. I think it's just it's a lack of ex- it was a lack of execution across the board, but especially where it mattered most from the quarterback position. Yeah, I think the, def- the the team as a whole, including the defense, they have a lack of killer instinct. And that, that's the young coaching staff, a rookie coaching staff, and it's still kind of fighting their bearings. Scangarello has shown he's getting more aggressive, and I think that'll be consistent throughout four quarters going forward. They still have their faults, and that's what I'm saying. You're still going to have to deal with these hiccups, and you're right. I mean, they have been going into a shell. They have been playing conservative and playing not to lose. And like prevent defense, all that's going to do is make you lose games. Uh, fortunately, they escaped Los Angeles today with a victory. If they have to be aggressive from the outset, no matter if they're winning by one or losing by a hundred, I want to see consistent uh, aggressive approach. And I think you will, as the year goes on, they start to settle down in their respective roles. A plus, I think you're trying to say AJ. I'm not sure. A plus was good contributions from our young new players from Nevet 4433. We had a few draft class busts, but AJ was a monster. I think is what he meant to say there. The defense looks sharper. Lindsay's a monster. Sutton's improving. At least we have some pieces. And that's one of the big takeaways, positives from this game is the young talent, once again, being the difference for these for this team winning and, and losing, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You want to see Noah Fank get worked into the game plan a little bit more than he was today. But Sutton coming up big for this team. You had Lindsay coming up big. You touched on Dalton Reisner coming up big. And even Garrett Bowles. Like, he did allow the strip sack, but he played well for the majority of that game, and he had a lot of those snaps having to go against Joey Bosa. So that's one of the encouraging aspects of this team overall, even in the face of all those losses, is the young players were the ones carrying all the water. It was the the head-scratching performances from a lot of these veterans on the team, and Chris Harris Jr. is an example of that. Now, I don't want to rail on him too hard because Keenan Allen was pretty well limited today, but – I think I, I think he had one pass breakup today, and that was the first one I can remember from Chris Harris Jr. in many, many weeks. Yeah, I, it's just it's 
it's a positive for this one game, what we saw, but it's going forward. This is what this season, to me, is about now. They're not going to make the playoffs more than likely the Broncos. So like we talked about in the last week's pod, it's all about an evaluation period, seeing which young players, which veteran players are here for the long haul, which are expendable, which are irreplaceable. And you're starting to see that come out with veterans and, and, and experienced guys and, and uh, younger guys. You're going to see who the nucleus, the building blocks are, keep those players, and I think discard the rest next offseason. Robert says, we just got time for a couple more guys and we got to get out of here. But Robert says, it's hard to judge this team. We've played five games and I still can't give you a number. If someone asked me what our record will end up being, I can see three and 13 or I can see six and 10 too. shake my head. So, I mean, you can even see this team finishing close to, to 500 if they continue to build on what they did today. Now, I'm not saying that's a prediction, but Trust me, we feel your pain. I mean, both Zach and I now in the Mile High Roundtable, we're 0-5, dude. And this has just been a really tough team to get a finger on the, the pulse of what's happening. It is. And, uh, you know, Chad and I pride ourselves on having a good beat on this team. And I think we did last year, but this year, I mean, it's just every time we pick a win, it's a loss. Every time we pick a loss, it's a win. They're really a weird team, the Broncos, because we haven't seen them. We still haven't seen them play 60 minutes of unique football to them, 60 minutes of complete uh, dominating football. Until we do, we really can't get uh, a good beat on what the record could be. I still say maybe uh, seven to nine. I could see eight and eight also if they they cruise to a strong finish if they start to use this as momentum and really find themselves. It's not going to be a winning record, not going to be a playoff record, but if you can escape from an 0-4 hole with seven wins, eight wins, that's pretty good in my opinion, all relatively speaking. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. But you guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Gut Reaction podcast here. Thanks for all of you who have joined us on this live simulcast on YouTube. It's great engaging with you guys. We always look forward to these podcasts. So we'll be back with a fresh episode for you on Tuesday, analyzing the aftermath of the Broncos moving to one and four on the season. In the meantime, make sure you are following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter. As you can see, our live viewers at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. You guys go celebrate, savor these victories. We don't know when the next one's going to come. But uh, who knows? It might be next week. Let's try and and maintain some optimism here and and build on that. Zach, you have a great rest of your weekend, my brother. You too. And uh, for my partner here, Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen, Broncos Country. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.